Y'all, it has felt like we have been flying through the storm that was 2020. And I don't know about you, but I am really ready for a reset, a fresh start in a new year. I'm ready to embrace a little more grace in my work and in my relationships. I am ready to seek new pathways and possibilities that God may be opening up for us. I'm ready to encounter a new year with a fresh start that the Holy Spirit creates for all of us in our lives. And I've learned about a tradition this week I have not heard about. Have you ever heard about this? It's called Good Riddance Day. And apparently on December 28th in Times Square, you can go and write a a grievance, uh, whatever has happened in the past year that you want to get rid of. Um, You you write that down, some unpleasant, painful, uh, embarrassing memory from the past. You write it down and you throw it into this uh, industrial shredder and it just shreds that memory to pieces. They also have a sledgehammer there in case the object or the memory or the thing that you want to get rid of, you literally want to destroy, like an old cell phone or, I don't know, you fill in what that might be. Now, this past year it was a little different, so you could fill out a form with your grievance and the volunteers, the workers, would print it out and on the morning of December 28th you could watch Facebook Live and watch them throw everybody's memories into this shredder. Y'all, I think this is a fabulous idea. That is way better than making New Year's resolutions that everyone is just going to break within two or three weeks. In fact, there was an organizer that said this about Good Riddance Day. She said, it really is this need we have, even when the world is crazy, to say, you know what? I'm going to let go of the things that have been dragging me down and going to look forward with a sense of hope and possibility of change, either for myself personally or for the world. So this is a chance to detox in a big way. Well, In some ways, today, we're going to celebrate Good Riddance Day, a few days late. But as we prepare to use John Wesley's covenant service, uh, he used this, by the way, every year to start the new year. He would use it with his watch night on New Year's Eve into January 1 as a tradition. Uh, But I invite you to, to get that pen and piece of paper that I invited you to have nearby and to just have this near you and to be thinking of what might you write on that piece of paper as your good riddance? What might be the thing, the memory that you really want to let go of so you can embrace a fresh start for 2021? In some ways this morning, we're going to experience a spiritual detox together. But in order to understand more deeply the importance of renewing our covenant of faith with God, let's hear a couple of scriptures that remind us about some of God's covenantal promises. Our first lesson this morning comes from 2 Kings 23, verses 1 through 3. The king, this is King Josiah, The king sent a message, and all of Judah's and Jerusalem's elders gathered before him. 
Then King Josiah went up to the Lord's temple together with all the people of Judah and all the citizens of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, and all the people, young and old alike. There the king read out loud all the words of the covenant scroll that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king stood beside the pillar and made a covenant with the Lord that he would follow the Lord by keeping his commandments, his laws, and his regulations with all his heart and all his being in order to fulfill the words of the covenant that were written in this scroll. And all of the people accepted the covenant. And then from the prophet Jeremiah 31 verses 31 through 34. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. It won't be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant with me even though I was their husband, declares the Lord. No, this is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my instructions within them and engrave them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. They will no longer need to teach each other to say, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wrongdoing and never again remember their sins. This is God's word for all of God's people. Thanks be to God. We know that covenants are important to God throughout Scripture as God makes covenants with humanity at multiple points along God's massive, beautiful story. There is covenant with Noah, with the flood and the rainbow, and with Abraham and all the patriarchs, with Moses, with the people of Israel. We get to the New Testament and a new covenant was made through Jesus that includes Christians. Covenants are a big biblical God deal. We also know that us humans are really good at breaking covenant. Why God continues to show patience over and over with us is beyond me. And yet God does. Year after year, century after century. We learn a few things though from these texts this morning that I think are helpful to prepare us for this covenant service that we're about to participate in. In the second king's text, we hear a portion of the history of the kings, where at this point is King Josiah of Judah, the southern kingdom, and it's pretty late in the history of the kings, actually. I think there's only two more kings after Josiah before the exile to Babylon takes place. But in this scene, in this setting, Josiah initiates this massive religious reform when he finds the scrolls of the law that the Lord has given to the people tucked away in a storage room in the temple, hidden, hidden for years, 
no one has even bothered to pull them out and read them. Exactly what were the priests doing all these years? I can't ever figure that out because it wasn't what they were supposed to be doing, which was to help teach the, the, the law, the, the, the covenant that God has so lovingly offered to the people. But Josiah and his folks find it. And he pulls it out and he reads it to the people. They haven't heard this law in decades. Some of them haven't heard it at all. This is the first time and it sparks this reformation, this renewal of the way they're supposed to be practicing their religion. And it renews their faith in God. However, what is important to note in this story is that the work of King Josiah wasn't enough. No matter how faithful the leader was and how much good he did, oh man, he really tore down the idols and helped them get away from idolatry and to focus on God. But it still wasn't enough because no matter how strong and faithful a leader he was, he couldn't bring salvation to the people of Israel. Josiah's story reminds us that we are all responsible for our own relationship with God. We are responsible for our own health and care of our spirit, of our soul, of our heart. The leader can't be faithful enough for you. And if you hear nothing else today, hear this. You are ultimately the one that is responsible for your covenantal relationship with God. You make the promises to God and you either strive to keep them or you don't. And God, make no mistake about it, God longs to help you make these promises and keep them. But the powerful word for us this morning, I think, is spoken through the prophet Jeremiah's teaching. Chapter 31 comes towards the end of Jeremiah after the exile is over. As I said, a few kings later after Josiah and all of Israel, all of Judah, they were all taken into exile, gone away from the temple, from Jerusalem, from all that was dear and near to their heart. But now Jeremiah speaks of a time when the, the Israelites are coming home They're starting back to Jerusalem. It is a fresh start. And the Israelites are getting ready to experience something new. Their time of foreign domination, foreign domination, their time of exile, their time of oppression is ending. Their disorientation in a foreign land is ending as they make their way back to the homeland. And this time God promises a new start to forget their past, to forget their sins, because they have suffered enough. And the future is theirs for the making. And from this point on in scripture, God begins to build on this promise, offering the people a new path forward that eventually includes the birth, the life, and the death and resurrection of Jesus. In fact, God offers us this new covenant on an ongoing basis today. God offers to be our God and for us to be God's people. 
Our God will provide for us a path of wisdom and grace and love and community. And our part, our part is to be faithful to God. To actually make God our God, to make God Lord of our life. And when we are ready to embrace entering into this covenant with God, we realize that it is both a reality, a a, a reality in that moment that we begin to experience in the here and now, but it is also an anticipated future reality as well that we've not quite achieved. We realize that God continues to shape our hearts and our spirits, offering us said wisdom, grace, love, and community but we are part of an ongoing restoration project as well. It is a both and, a current reality and a future possibility. And entering into covenant with God does not equal instant perfection or bliss. That's so important for us to remember. And yet entering into this covenant, it is critical for us as faithful children of God. Because it is exhausting being beaten down by the brokenness of this world and by the sin in our own personal lives. The combo can be deadly, but it does not have to be definitive. God is offering us another way. A guy explained to his buddy that whenever he argued with his wife that she got all historical on him, his friend was like, don't you mean hysterical? He said, oh no, I mean historical. Every time we start fighting, she tends to remind me of every single thing I've ever done wrong to her. We do that to one another, don't we? Whenever we fail someone or they fail us, instead of working through as Jesus taught us to forgive one another and to move forward, we don't. We tend to remind them of all the ways that they have failed us in the past, of the previous 40 times that they have done the same thing wrong over and over. But thank goodness, God doesn't treat us that way or every one of us would be hysterical at God's historical memory of our behavior. This new way God is offering us, it started in the Old Testament with this new covenant. And it was as simple as this. If we let God be our God and truly become God's people, then God will forgive us our wrongdoings, and never again remember our sins. Do you hear the good news in this? The choice is ours to make. The invitation is there, and it's always there. The problem is, so is the sin, and so is the brokenness of the world that causes us to break covenant time and time again. We have to work hard to not let God's amazing creative work within each one of us get so tarnished and hidden and broken that it becomes hard to see and keep the covenant visible in our lives. So here's a story that illustrates what I'm trying to say. 
In November of 2008, one of the greatest masterpieces from the Italian Renaissance was restored to its original splendor, and it was returned home to uh, the Uffizi, the uh, renowned gallery in Florence, Italy. The, the painting was the Madonna of the Goldfinch that Raphael painted in 1505. He did it for a wedding gift for a friend uh, in Florence, a wealthy Florence merchant. And it portrays uh, mother, Jesus Christ's mother, Mary, with uh, two babies, little, little boys, that represent Jesus and John the Baptist. And they are playing with a, a goldfinch, a bird. And the goldfinch symbolizes uh, the suffering of Christ's suffering of the future suffering of Christ because goldfinches tend to feed among thorns. But something happened to this painting about 40 years later, 1545, an earthquake happened in Florence and the painting was shattered into like 17 different pieces. The wood was all smashed up into bits and so another artist took it and tried to patch it all together and used nails to hammer the wood back together and then tried to, to paint over it and fix the cracks and then veneered over that to try and hide his uh, not-so-professional work that he had done. And over years, the same thing would happen. Um, they would, would try and refurbish it by shellacking or veneering over it, and layers of grime and dust um, collected on it until the colors were just faded and it was in terrible shape. So eventually, a contemporary restoration project began to fix the shattered areas, to remove the layers of grime and dirt and veneer, um, to bring back the original colors. It was a team effort. It took uh, about 50 people 10 years to do this restoration. But when they were done, the results were stunning, are stunning. The cracks gone, centuries of Dirt and grime gone. The, the veneer that had dulled the, the painting over the years stripped away. And the finished product now glows with the original hues of red and blue and gold, yellow. The original work of art. And given how badly it was damaged, the restoration of Raphael's painting is almost as amazing as the original piece of art itself. The beauty is just astounding. And knowing the whole drama behind the, the painting helps you to look at it with even more awe and wonder. And y'all, this is not unlike the great restoration that God is trying to work in our lives. Tragically, the beautiful design that God created us to be has been marred by sin and layers of dirt and grime that have collected over the years. And we try and paint over the damage. We, we try, but it never works. The cracks are showing. The veneers are only a temporary facade. The earthquakes of our lives have broken us, maybe into a million pieces. But hear this good news. Jesus Christ has the power to make all things new. And that's our invitation to you today, right now. 
What is it that you need to say good riddance to in your lives? What do you need help restoring in your life? Maybe it's been a few years since you seriously renewed your covenant of faith in God and you have several layers of grime and cover-up paint that need to be peeled back. Maybe your heart has been hardened by the nails that you've tried to use to piece your life back together. But today, God offers you the opportunity to reset your spiritual life. Today, God wants to grant you, offer you a fresh start. And as we transition into the liturgy of John Wesley's covenant service, there are going to be a lot of words that you're getting ready to hear. But I invite you to really just listen. Listen and reflect on what these words mean. Uh, And to, to listen to your own responses, the prayers that we invite you to pray, the questions this covenant service invites you to answer. I invite you to prepare your heart as you enter into this time of covenant making with God. Will you join me in renewing your faith in God, your covenant in God, and be thinking about what you need to write down on that piece of paper to offer up as your good riddance, in order to help you renew your faith in God. And let us do everything in our power to let God be our God and for us to be God's beloved people. I want to invite Patty to come up as we prepare to lead you in this service. And if you have the church app, I invite you to open that because we have put the whole covenant service in there. Now we'll put the words up that we invite you to speak um, um, on or speak with, but um, that, that will be helpful for you to see the whole covenant service to follow along and um, invite you to be ready to join us in the congregational responses. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the Christian life is redeemed from sin and consecrated to God. Through baptism, we have entered this life and have been admitted into the new covenant of which Jesus Christ is the mediator. He sealed it with his own blood that it might last forever. On the one side, God promises to give us new life in Christ, the source and perfecter of our faith. On the other side, we are pledged to live no more for ourselves, but only for Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. From time to time, we renew our covenant with God, especially when we reaffirm the baptismal covenant and gather at the Lord's table. Today, however, we meet as the generations before us have met to renew the covenant that binds us to God. Let us make this covenant of God our own. Hear this invitation. Commit yourselves to Christ as his servants. Give yourselves to him that you may belong to him. Christ has many services to be done. Some are more easy and honorable. Others are more difficult and disgraceful. Some are suitable to our inclinations and interests. Others are contrary to both. In some, we may please Christ and please ourselves. 
But then there are others where we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. It is necessary, therefore, that we consider what it means to be a servant of Christ. Let us therefore go to Christ and pray. Let, Let me be your servant, servant under your, your command. command. I will no longer be my own. I will give up myself to your will in all things. Be satisfied that Christ shall give you your place and work. Lord, make me what you will. I put myself fully into your hands. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and with a willing heart give it all to your pleasure and disposal. Christ will be the savior of none but his servants. He is the source of all salvation to those who obey. Christ will have no servants except by consent. Christ will not accept anything except full consent to all that he requires. Christ will be all in all, or he will be nothing. Confirm this by a holy covenant. To make this covenant a reality in your life, listen to these admonitions. First, set apart some time, more than once, to spend alone before the Lord in seeking earnestly God's special assistance and gracious acceptance of you, in carefully thinking through all the conditions of the covenant, in searching your hearts, whether you have already freely given your life to Christ. Consider what your sins are. Consider the laws of Christ, how holy, strict, and spiritual they are, and whether you, after having carefully considered them, are willing to choose them all. Be sure you are clear in these matters. See that you do not lie to God. Second, be serious and in a spirit of holy awe and reverence. Third, claim God's covenant. Rely upon God's promise of giving grace and strength so you can keep your promise. Trust not your own strength and power. Fourth, Resolve to be faithful. You have given to the Lord your hearts. You have opened your mouths to the Lord. And you have dedicated yourself to God. With God's power, never go back. And last, be then prepared to renew your covenant with the Lord. Fall down on your knees. Lift your hands toward heaven. Open your hearts to the Lord as we pray. O righteous God, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, see me as I fall down before you. Forgive my unfaithfulness in not having done your will. For you have promised mercy to me if I turn to you with my whole heart. God requires that you shall put away all your idols. I hear from the bottom of my heart, renounce them all, covenanting with you 
that, that no known sin shall be allowed in my life. Against your will, I have turned my love toward the world. In your power, I will watch all temptations that will lead me away from you. For my own righteousness is riddled with sin, unable to stand before you. Through Christ, God has offered to be your God again, if you will let him. Before all heaven and earth, I have acknowledge you as my Lord and God. I take you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for my portion and vow to give up myself, body and soul, as your servant, to serve you in holiness and righteousness all the days of my life. God has given the Lord Jesus Christ as the only way and means of coming to God. Jesus, I do hear on bended knees, accept Christ as the only new and living way, and sincerely join myself in a covenant with him. O blessed Jesus, I come to you hungry, sinful, miserable, blind, and naked, unworthy even to wash the feet of your servants. I do here with all my power accept you as my Lord and head. I renounce my own worthiness and vow that you are the Lord, my righteousness, I renounce my own wisdom and take you for my only guide. I renounce my own will and take your will as my law. Christ has told you that you must suffer with him. I do here covenant with you, O Christ, to take my lot with you as it may fall. Through your grace, I promise that neither, that neither life nor, nor death shall part me from you. God has given holy laws as the rule of your life. I, I do here willingly put my neck under your yoke to carry your burden. All your laws are holy and just and good. I therefore take them as the rule for my words, thoughts, and actions promising that I will strive to order my whole life according to your direction and not allow myself to neglect anything I know to be my duty. The Almighty God searches and knows your heart. O oh God, you know that I make this covenant with you today without guile or reservation. If any falsehood should be in it, guide me and help me to see it aright. And now, glory be to you, O God the Father, whom I from this day forward shall look upon as my God and Father. Glory be to you, O God the Son, who have who loved me and washed me from my, from my sins in your own blood. And, and now is my, my Savior and Redeemer. 
Glory be to you, O God, the Holy Spirit, who by your almighty power have turned my heart from sin to God. O mighty God, the Lord omnipotent, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have now become my covenant friend, and I, through your infinite grace, have become your covenant servant. So be it, and let the covenant I have made on earth be ratified in heaven. Amen. Amen. Wesley advises us to make this covenant not only in our heart, but in word, and you have done so. But not only in word, but also in writing. We offer the words that we have said before God as our own action, but I invite you to also put in writing one or both of the following. What do you need to let go of in your life in order to fully embrace these covenantal promises to make Jesus Lord of your life? What is your good riddance offering? And then I invite you in your own words, what is your declaration of faith that you make to God? What are you actually promising God? In your words, write them down today, now, in this moment, but at some point before you go to bed tonight, while we prepare for communion, though, I invite you to write. 